Hey, welcome to First Baptist Church Online. This is Steve Polk, and I'm excited to uh, have you join us today for uh, this message. You know, as we're living our life, sometimes we don't really think about the future too much, but today we're going to really challenge you to do that. We're going to really think about the future that the reality is that right now you are writing your legacy. You are building that with every decision you make, uh, with every uh, choice, with every action, with every step that you uh, take in this life, you are writing a legacy for your future generations to follow you. You know, that can come in a lot of packages. That can be great. Um, it could not be very good. Uh, and it could maybe even be neutral. But we are all writing a legacy. So we're going to join our pastor today in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we're really going to dig into a spiritual legacy. Because, you know, if there's only one legacy you can leave for your family, which there'll be more than one, it is your spiritual legacy. It will have the most profound impact in the life of the most of the people you care about the most, either positively or negatively, uh, and it will be the greatest opportunity you have to impact generations that you'll never meet in person. So let's pray together as our pastor comes, and we look at what the Word of God has to say about building our legacy. God, we thank you for uh, how thoughtful you are, for your Word that addresses so many different aspects of life. Today, as we look into Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we think about our legacy that we're going to leave for our future generations, that we would come under conviction, that we would come under uh, challenge, even encouragement, as we live this life, building a legacy that we want to build, that we would be proud of, and that you would see fit uh, to strengthen our families in the future generations. Thank you for loving us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I've mentioned previously that uh, in the 1960s when I was a kid, I grew up on a 120-acre farm in the mountains of Kentucky, and I have to tell you, I really did enjoy growing up on that farm. It was a, a beautiful valley of rolling hills surrounded on three sides by a mountain, and on the other side was the Kentucky River. The other side of that river was a mountain. And it was just a beautiful place to grow up. We could play in the fields, play in the woods, play in the river and the creeks. We could fish and ride horses and ponies, dirt bikes, build log cabins and tree houses and, and, and just literally play outside all day. And, and I did enjoy that uh, a lot. I really, really did. But the blessing of my childhood growing up in that place where I could do all those things was because of my grandfather. My grandfather in about 1920 purchased that property from another relative. I had nothing to do with owning that property, but I enjoyed the blessing, the benefit of growing up there and all the advantages and good experiences it gave me because of what my grandfather had done essentially 40 years earlier. And uh, my grandfather actually purchased that land around 1920 from another of his relatives. And, and the reason he was able to do that in part was because our ancestors on the, the hog side of the family were among the first settlers in that part of Kentucky around 1800. And uh, a man named James Hogg, the first one to settle there, owned thousands of acres. And so over the, over the generations, that land was passed down and subdivided and so on between us and then parts of it sold off. 
And uh, so I guess you could say my grandfather had the opportunity in part to buy that farm because of what his great, great, great grandfather had done. And then me as a kid in the 1960s and early 70s enjoyed the benefits of my grandfather's actions. And and, and the, the, the truth is what one generation does impacts generations uh, to come. And I'm grateful for that blessing. I'm grateful for that legacy I received from my grandfather and from my dad. But there was not a spiritual legacy handed down to me. We had the legacy of the land and all the benefits of that, but there was not a spiritual legacy. Each and every one of us as human beings are going to leave a legacy once we die. That legacy can be good, bad, or indifferent. It can involve a lot of things. And, and, And the only question is, what kind of legacy are you leaving for your children and grandchildren? What kind of legacy are you handing off, are you passing down to those who come after you? What are they going to inherit from you? Because a legacy is inevitable. Now, you you can leave a legacy of land and houses and property, a legacy of education and career, a legacy of being athletic and an outdoorsman, a legacy of money and trust funds, but none of those, none of those are as important as leaving a spiritual legacy. I'm not talking about a legacy of simply going to church. I'm talking about a legacy of genuinely loving Jesus Christ, being a disciple of Jesus that is real and not hypocritical, and your kids and grandkids know it, and you're passing on to them a great spiritual legacy. That's what I want to talk today, talk about today as you open your Bible, as uh, Brother Steve Polk mentioned a moment ago, to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, chapter 4. The, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, have pretty much finished their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness following the exodus from Egypt. And they are camped on the east side of the Jordan River. And not long after this chapter, Moses is going to go up on Mount Nebo. He will die, and then God will bury him. And so Moses gathers the nation, and he's speaking to them one final time, giving them last instructions, if you will, giving them a a, a review of their history of all the things that God had done and and he's challenging them in this final speech to keep the faith and not only keep the faith but to pass it on to their children and their grandchildren notice what he says in this final speech to the people of Israel in chapter 4 at verse 9 he said only give heed to yourselves pay attention to yourself uh, don't don't wander through life aimlessly but be intentional Pay attention, give heed to yourself, to your life, and keep your souls diligently, your life diligently. Why? So that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. In other words, he's saying you need to remember all God has done in your life. All the great blessings, all the great acts of God, you need to remember it. Don't wonder from it. Don't forget about it. Remember it. 
But at the end of verse 9, and make them known to your sons and your grandsons. You need to pass on the great work of God in your life to those who come after you. Now drop down toward the end of the chapter or the middle of the chapter at verse 35. And let's pick up with his speech there. He says to you, it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God. He's saying that God worked in in your lives as the people of Israel, as God's chosen people. He worked in your life in such a way to make certain, to make clear to you that he and he alone is God. There is no other besides him. Then in verse 36, out of the heavens, he let you hear his voice to discipline or train you. And on earth, he let you see his great fire and you heard his words from the midst of the fire. You remember they were led by the by a cloud or a pillow uh, during the day and a fire at night. And when they were camped at Mount Horb at Mount Sinai, God, God's fire covered the mountain. They saw the glory of God. They heard the voice of God speak from that mountain. They had these great experiences with God. And then he adds in verse 37, because, now why did God bless the generation in Moses' day with the privilege of knowing him and the privilege of of, of journeying to the promised land? He says in verse 37, all of this was because he, God, loved your fathers, your ancestors, those who came before you. Therefore, he chose their descendants, you, his descendants after them, and he personally brought you from Egypt by his great power. In the Hebrew, it's literally by his face. It's the picture of God standing side by side, look them looking in their face, and they're looking into his face, so to speak. God came down to them and brought them from Egypt to the promised land. Bless them this way. Why? Because of their ancestors, because of their fathers and his love for them. And then uh, verse, verse 39, know therefore today, know therefore today and take it to your heart. You need to remember this. You need to know this and you need to make certain it's embedded in your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Verse 40, so that you. Now, remember, God has blessed you to this point because of your fathers, your ancestors. And you need to remember this in verse 40, so that you keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am giving you today, that, here's the reason, that it may go well with you, but not just you, not just with the current generation, also with your children after you, that they that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. And so what he's saying to the generation of Moses' day is that you are being blessed with the privilege of, of, of this special relationship with God and seeing God do these marvelous things because of your ancestors. Now you need to keep all this in your heart and obey God yourselves. Because that's going to have an impact on the generations that come after you, your children and your grandchildren, and how well things go for them in this new promised land. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. There were two parts to the legacy the Jewish people in Moses' day received from their fathers, from their ancestors, going all the way back to the time of Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. One of those... 
legacy. One, one part of that legacy, legacy was the promised land. But a second part of the legacy they had received from their forefathers, their ancestors, was a spiritual legacy. It was the Lord, this relationship with Almighty God. So there was the physical legacy of the promised land, and there was the spiritual legacy of a relationship with God that showed itself in obedience. The legacy that the Jewish people of Moses' time were enjoying did not begin with them. It began with their forefathers going all the way back to Abraham. In verse 37, they have the blessings of this legacy because of the love God had for their fathers. They were being blessed because of their fathers. And their grandchildren, their future generations, in verse 40, he says, now you, just like your ancestors need to keep God's statutes, obey God's commandments so that it will go well. It will go well in verse 40 with you and with your children. In other words, just as you are blessed today because of your ancestors' faithfulness to God and God's love for them, your children and grandchildren are going to be impacted. They're going to receive a legacy from you. And whether that legacy is good or bad, whether it is really mature and spiritual or not, is being determined by your relationship with God today. What you give your kids tomorrow, what you give your grandchildren the day after tomorrow, is shaped and determined by what you do today, right now. And you and I need to remember that we will leave a legacy. It will continue after us, but it won't last forever. The truth is, within a couple of generations, most of the people who are your descendants will not know who you were and will know very little about your life. On that farm in Kentucky, we had a family cemetery. And I've mentioned in previous sermons that I would cut the grass on that Uh, most weeks when I was growing up. And I can still see all of those tombstones in my mind, in my memory. And I, I, I I knew who some of them were. And I knew their stories and their lives. But, but my grand, my grandfather's parents were buried there. My, my great grandfather and great grandmother, and I never knew them. And I didn't know much about them. I've learned a few things, but not, not a lot. There are other ancestors buried there. And uh, their stories, I, I don't know them. Now, my grandfather and my parents, their stories, yes, and they impacted me. But going back past that, I, I don't know their stories. And, and the point is, brothers and sisters, only a generation or two are going to remember you. But that generation or two is going to be shaped by you. And because you influence them and you shape them, you play a part in what they, the generation, the second generation after you, you're playing a part in what they pass on to your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren. And, and, and so, yes, your legacy passes on, but it doesn't last forever unless those who come after you pass it on. And so it makes a difference in what kind of legacy you're passing on. See, my kids are not getting the legacy of my grandfather. They're getting the legacy. 
my, my grandchildren, the legacy that I'm creating and that I'm going to leave them. Now, what, what if you did not receive a great legacy? What if when you think about those who came before you, there was a lot of, lot of problems and a lot of heartache, and it's just not a positive story? Well, you can be the one who starts a new, a new legacy. I, I received from my grandfather a legacy of land and a beautiful farm and, and the beauty of childhood that, that I enjoyed growing up on that farm. But like I mentioned, I didn't receive a spiritual legacy. My wife and I are starting that for our children and our grandchildren, because we didn't receive it. And so if you didn't receive a spiritual legacy, you can start one. If you did not receive a great legacy, you can begin one. Because the legacy the Jewish people in Moses' day were being blessed by started with Abraham when he left his homeland, according to Genesis chapter 12, and moved to the promised land and started the legacy of obeying God and living in the promised land. And it was passed down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph and on and on down to the time of, of Moses. And every new generation has to decide, are they going to continue passing it to the next generation? Every legacy is essentially one generation from extinction. So you, you jump ahead a few generations after Moses' day. And Moses has died, and Joshua has died, and those who served with Joshua and succeeded Joshua, they have died. And, and you drop down a number of years, and, and, and you come to the book of Judges in the Old Testament, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, all that generation, the generation of Joshua and his successors, also were gathered to their fathers, meaning they died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. They didn't know God. They didn't know the history of God's great work in their ancestors' lives. And because of that, in verse 11, the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So I want to say something to young adults, college students, and teenagers right now. If you are receiving a godly legacy, a loving legacy, a mature legacy, a good legacy, from your parents and grandparents, the question is, are you going to pass that on to those who come after you? Just as you are enjoying all the benefits and blessings of what you've received from those who came before you, what are you going to pass to those who come after you? If you're going to pass a great legacy, a godly legacy, you must be intentional you must start now because, listen, the life you are living, the life you are living is the legacy you will leave behind. So let me give you real quickly a couple of practical suggestions for creating and leaving a great spiritual legacy like the people in Moses' day had received from their ancestors. One, here's the first practical suggestion. Openly engage with God's word. That means reading God's word. But engaging God's word means interacting with it and allowing the Holy Spirit to apply it to your life so that you are transformed, you are changed, you obey the commandments as he talked about in Deuteronomy 4, the commandments and the statutes of God. When Eva was a grandmother, 
She would sit at the kitchen table and read and study her Bible and she had a notebook and and every day she sat there drinking her coffee and studying God's word she would write in her notebook what she was learning and what God was showing her and what God was speaking to her her granddaughter Sherry saw her grandmother doing that and it made an impression on her after Eva died her granddaughter found a bunch of large envelopes And in those envelopes, to her surprise, were all of those handwritten notes that her grandmother had written at that kitchen table while reading and engaging with God's Word. They were organized by books of the Bible, by chapter and and, and, and by verse. And, And Sherry, the granddaughter, after her grandmother Eva had died, said this, She did not leave me a trust fund, a car, or a home. She left me a priceless gift, a spiritual legacy. My mom is 84 years old, will be 85 next month. We have a security camera where we can see her patio on the outside of her house just to check on her and make sure she's doing okay. And earlier this week, I snapped a picture from that security camera because mom had gone outside and she was sitting on her patio in her chair with her Bible reading it, something she's done for four decades. She does it every day. Now, here's the thing. My mom's short-term memory is very, very limited. It's been a casualty of dementia, if you will. And I could call her and ask her what she read in the Bible that day, and she wouldn't remember So she's not remembering what she reads, but the discipline of her life to take God's word every day and read it, even though she still cannot remember what she reads, she will sit there every day and read his word. That's a legacy. That's a legacy. What what legacy are you passing to your kids and your grandkids? When it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the things of God, the truth of God, obedience to God, what what are they seeing in your life? Are you openly, openly engaging with God's word so that your life is being transformed by it? Are you passing that on? A second practical thing you can do to create and pass to your children and grandchildren a great godly, spiritual legacy. Number one, to openly engage with God's word. But number two is to passionately trust and obey God. To passionately trust and obey God. Jonathan Edwards was a famous pastor and preacher of the 1700s. He was a key figure in what we call the first great awakening, a movement of God that lasted nearly three decades that saw so many people in colonial America converted to the faith and become followers of Jesus and be baptized that churches overflowed and colleges, listen, colleges were started to train pastors and preachers. So many people were being saved and called in to the ministry. For instance, Princeton University, Dartmouth, Brown University, Rutgers, all started to train preachers. By the way, they also they are also an illustration. 
that what one generation passes on can become extinct if future generations don't pass it on because future generations passed on a different legacy for those universities. The, the greatness of God is no longer there. But that's, that's not the main point I'm wanting to make. He was a preacher. He was a pastor. He was a theologian. He was an author. He was, near the end of his life, president of Princeton University. But he and his wife, Sarah, had 11 children. Sarah, his wife, was always a vital, integral part of his ministry. He would discuss sermons with her. They would go for walks in the evening and just, and, and, and talk about and, and, and discuss different aspects of his ministry. He cherished her input. She was part of his life and his ministry. And as their 11 children got older, they did the same thing with them. They began involving their children when it was appropriate and discussions about sermons, discussions about ministry opportunities, discussions about serving Jesus Christ, and it had a, a profound impact on their children. He died in 1758. About 140 years later, 1900, another professor did a study on Jonathan Edwards, this great man of God, and Sarah, this great woman of God, on, on their descendants. And it's interesting. 140 years after Jonathan Edwards died, this professor discovered that of his descendants, 100 of them had become lawyers. 80 of them had been public office holders. 66 were physicians, one being the, the head of a medical school. 65 of their descendants were professors, 13 of them were college presidents, 30 of them were judges, 3 of them were mayors of large American cities, 3 of them were governors of our states, 3 of his descendants were U.S. senators, and 1 was a U.S. vice president. Now why am I sharing that? Because it illustrates what we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter 4, the people of Moses' day had this great legacy they had received from their fathers, from their ancestors. And that legacy involved two things, land and the Lord. They had the privilege of the promised land because of the privilege of the special relationship with the Lord. Jonathan and Sarah Edwards passed on a spiritual legacy. But it also impacted other aspects of their descendants' lives, the success in other areas. The, the Old Testament book of Psalms, 112, verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments, in his word. And now notice this in verse 2. His descendants, his descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. God is saying that when you are spiritually upright, you fear the Lord, you love the Lord, you obey the Lord, and you pass on to your descendants a great godly spiritual legacy. It impacts their lives beyond simply the spiritual realm. And there are two reasons for this. One is simply God's blessing. God's hand of favor upon you and those who come after you because you love him. And you are a godly man, a godly woman, growing and serving him. God's blessings. But there's a second reason. 
It's the advantages that your descendants have because of stability, because of a stable life. You know, a word that's tossed around a lot in our culture today is privilege. And there's some controversy associated with it as people talk about things like white privilege and uh, male privilege. But can I, can I tell you something? Kids, kids who grow up in stable homes where mom and dad are mature and love each other, Kids who grow up in stable families where mom and dad have great work ethic and, and great values, who, who they, they have a stable family life. We know, we know those kids have advantages. They have privileges. Praise God. I'm thankful that God takes a stable family and blesses the kids in that. It's one of the great needs in our country is for more kids to have stable home lives, stable families. God, God blesses through the stability. And, and listen, and here's the, here's, here's the, the, the second reason. Kids and, and godly homes where mom and dad are mature in their faith, meaning that they don't just go to church. They're not just religious, but they are Christ-like. Those kids are blessed as well. That, that spiritual maturity brings stability to life, which blesses the kids in physical, tangible ways, and it blesses them spiritually as it shows them who God really is and, and what a relationship, a real relationship with God looks like and, and how really walking with God changes life. I want my children to have that. I want my grandchildren to have those advantages, those privileges, both the tangible physical privileges that come from stability and the spiritual blessings, the spiritual advantages that come from a real walk with Jesus Christ. Because if I give them, listen, if I give them the spiritual, they'll have some of the other as well. Psalm 146 verses 3 and 4, do not trust in princes. Today, we would say in presidents. Don't trust in mortal man and whom there is no salvation, no president, no man can save you. Verse 4, when he dies, his spirit departs. He returns to the earth and that day his thoughts perish. When I die in this world, and this, this life here on earth, when I die here on earth, no more thoughts no more words, no more actions. I'm dead. All I can do for my kids once I've taken my last breath is with the legacy that I left them before I died. The legacy I created before I died. No more thoughts, no more words, no more actions. But my legacy, whether good bad or indifferent, whether it's a spiritual legacy that also impacts the quality of their practical life, that's the only thing I can do for them then. But to do that for them then, I must create the legacy now. And I must be intentional. The life, listen, the life I am living creates the legacy I will leave my kids and grandkids, and the same thing is true of you. We'll spend 
a couple of weeks this month in California and Los Angeles visiting our daughter and her family. Her oldest, our grandson Liam, is 12 years old and he likes science. While we're there, I'm going to, one of my goals is to take him to the headquarters of Reasons to Believe, where Dr. Hugh Ross, who was here a few weeks ago, where he does his ministry, because I want to turn my scientific-minded grandchild on to that ministry while I'm alive, and I'm there, and I can. It's being intentional. It's creating a legacy that I hope will live long after I'm dead. What are you going to give your kids and your grandchildren when you die? It matters. Give them a godly legacy. It'll make all the difference. God bless you, and I'll see you next time.